This is The Living Temple, a podcast produced by Red Church for people who want to follow Christ in real life. So this is not just about the eradication of stress and buzz and becoming a centered Zen person. This is actually about you becoming a mirror of the will of God. Welcome back, everyone, for our next episode. I believe this is episode 10. Hello, Mark. How are you? I'm good, but you're stressed. I am stressed because I'm just... Look, I don't like it when people clap really loudly in a small space for no apparent reason. Daniel and I were just clapping for probably about two minutes straight in this very small room. Really loudly? And not just clapping, mega clapping, which is when you... It's a technique I think many high school boys learnt just to clap as loud. At, yes. You know, like when you're clapping in your school assembly, like we're just going to take it to another level, which yeah. we both just did a literal thunderstorm of clapping, which has you on edge. So we yes. apologise for that. No, which has taken me into an annoyance storm. And our interpreter sound man is not even listening because no, he, is, he is Googling, as he's always Googling, Googling, I think what he was Googling was people uh, on Twitch now being like Patreon supported for sleeping. So they're filming themselves sleeping and people are paying their money to sleep. I'm Is that where we're at? Money. Or are you on some other hype? Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to see if, if they've banned it or not. So yeah. he's trying to find out if this has been banned. Sponsor me while who's, I sleep. Who's banning it? As in Twitch have like certain required like rules. Oh, okay. about yeah, what you about can... what you can stream. Yes, yes. okay. Right. All right. So right. sleeping is sleeping evidently... Is, you know, you can, you can do Call of Duty boxes. games where you're shooting Nazis... But no sleeping. Okay, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. All right. This um, is way off topic. Unlike us. Yeah. Very unlike us. Mm. But what we were talking about last time... Smooth transition. Well yeah. done, Liddy. Excellent. Um, what we were talking about last time was this living a dependent life on God. Living a life dependent on God. Yes. That daily interactive life with yes. God. In... Every moment in every situation, we have that moment where we're asking God to speak into yes. whatever's going on yeah. and trying to figure out how that works yeah. um, in our world. So let's continue from yeah. there. Well, one point I wanted to just bring in at this point is we sort of understand this concept that we have like, you know, the analogy we've used is if we're living temples, there's these two levels that Thomas Kelly talked about and we've, yeah. we've said it's like, the holy place and the holiest of holies. And um, so, you know, if you're just picking up now, go back and listen to the last couple of episodes. Mm. But this concept that this is a new way of living where you live in that dependency with God and that new way of living where God becomes very real, present, directing your life. Mm. You're seeing things through this continual God perspective. God is speaking to you continually. Um, but the point I want to bring in here, which I think is really key, is that because we live in this moment of this hyper-achievement culture mm-hmm. filled with distractions, filled with opportunities, um, yes. th- that is in, like, similar to Daniel and I's thunder clapping mm-hmm. while you're just trying to do your thing and write notes and prepare for the next episode and we're just clapping like maniacs, is an analogy <laughs> that we did not mean <laughs> of what it is like to live today. And so in that place, a lot of Christians can be like, I want to then... I desperately want the peace you're talking about. I desperately want the presence that you're talking about. But I want it as an antidote to the distraction and uncenteredness 
that I'm that I'm experiencing. I would love to be have that centeredness in God. Mm. Now, one of the byproducts of what we're talking about, this close walk with Christ, is that it does give you a sense of peace and yes. shalom. But that's not the end game. Right. The end game is exactly what we we talked about in that verse from Second uh, Corinthians, Corinthians. Yep. where the veil between us and God has been taken away. We now see God face to face, something which couldn't happen uh, before Jesus died on the cross uh, because people feared that they would die, where they would die, and we're being remade in yes. God's glory. Okay. Now, Kelly says something really, really interesting. And what he says is that in the Old Testament, when people see God face to face, they would die. Mm. literally die, drop dead. That was the fear. Like, I'm having an encounter with God. Oh my goodness, I could, this is amazing. But that fear of God, you know, Yura in the Hebrew, this fear of God, right, is literally like, he's so holy, I could die. Who am I? I'm not worthy. Now, what Kelly says is that in the New Testament, you still die, but it's your old self that dies when you encounter God face to face. So it really well, feels like that. Yes, yes. Yeah. So you think about the temple, you think about this sense that, you know, there's these stories where the high priest would go in mm-hmm. and they would tie a rope around their leg. So they would enter into the holies of holies. And if there was a sin in their heart, they would just like hit the ground and then they would pull out. You imagine this scene. <laughs> well, you know, the other the high priest the other sorry, the other priest pulling out the high priest's dead body from within the Holy Spirit, struck down by the presence of God. Wow. Okay, so let's use that analogy. And it, we're living temples, there's mm-hmm. the holy place. And then if you hear what we're talking about here and you're like, I want that deeper life, be prepared to have your flesh self die. So if you head into this life, God is going to start stripping flesh off you. Yes. And so only those who are truly holy could enter the the holiest of holies and we're made holy by Jesus and it's a place of therefore humbling so when we're invited into his presence his goal in inviting us into his presence is to remake us in his glory and for our will to then become his will so this is not just about the eradication of stress and buzz and becoming a centered zen person Mm. this is actually about you becoming a mirror of the will of God. This is where holiness and humility go together. Mm. To enter into the presence of God, we need to be humble. Now, I think it's really key to clear up what humbleness means for a lot of people. A lot of people, particularly today, when there's widespread sense of both pride and insecurity, and there's like a horseshoe with those two, where they sort of join up, see humility as this self-effacing sort of like self-hatred, constantly have to play yourself down. We're a very egalitarian culture at the moment. We don't like hierarchy. So we've all got to be the same, particularly Mm. in Australia. It's like that. So there's this sense where we then see humility as I'm the person who's always got to be last and I've got to be like, oh, I did that, but I can't take it. You know, like like beat yourself up. But really what humility is, and when we step into that deeper level, we get remade in this humility where it's like our agenda gets put aside. Mm. When, that, when that formational process of taking things to that inner realm with God, bringing everything before him, allowing everything to be weighed and viewed through his perspective, very quickly our plans begin to become his plans. 
our perspective begins to be his perspective. And kingdom culture breaks out in the world when we're again doing his will. Yes. God had a plan for Adam and Eve to be his guardians in the world, going out into the world, multiplying. And we then connect with that purpose Mm. because we're now, he's at the control rooms of our life. Heaven's the control room. Heaven's in our hearts then controlling us. God's controlling our hearts. And we're constantly listening to him and we're fulfilling his plan. So we become his agent in the world. But to do this, we have to be humble. So humble here is the opposite of us being in control and us being the idol or the image, which is really in control in that deeper level. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I think I am getting what you're saying. And it's interesting when you were talking that I went a few weeks back in our the Living Temple history to the time where you guys probably listening would not have known, but I was crying in the middle of um, our podcast recording. What's that? Repentance. Yes. Uh, Yeah, we were talking about repentance and we were talking about putting things on the altar. I think me and Daniel were like, we're in the middle of a podcast and there's (laughs) tears. We don't know what to do here. Let's keep going with soothing voices. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it was good. It was good because it was that recognition that, oh, yeah, humility um, before God is so important and and it's his will and not ours that needs to take precedence yeah Yeah. and that's that has actually played out very interestingly since that recording since that day where we talked about it there's a certain um, amount of freedom that i've been living in that i didn't have particularly on that day so yeah if if, if only jesus for that amen like if holiness and humility are linked and holiness enables us to enter into his presence mm. in a deeper realm. The humble get to enter. Yeah. Know? And I think of, um, you know, David wanted to dwell in the house of the Lord all his days. And, and that beautiful image of both Simeon and Anna at the beginning of the Gospels, mm. who uh, are representative of the obedient Israel. And, you know, Anna spent her days like she'd lost in earthly concepts mm-hmm. and in a century was alone in earthly concepts particularly in first century jewish social world yet she lives her days in the temple praying and fasting and interceding and mm-hmm. she gets to you know see that see the messiah who who she and obedient israel longed for and that's like anna's like a saint there for us to aspire to in the sense that we need to dwell continually and there's a humility yes. in Anna. There's a humility in Simeon. And, and that they're the ones who then see it. They're the ones who dwell. Mm. You know, and they see the Messiah. So the humble get to see the Messiah. Yeah. And it also helps us understand. And this is really... And feel free to push back or, or comment on this. But like yeah. with your experience that there's a, there's a line in, in Kelly, Thomas Kelly. We'll just call him Kelly now because we've referred to him for the last three episodes. Yeah, he's um, our pal. Uh, TK. Um, that um, he says, but what trinkets we have sought after in life, the pursuit of what petty trifles have wasted our years as we've ministered to the enhancement of our little selves. Sorry, our own little selves. Yeah. I mean, just think about that. We've wasted our years ministering to the enhancement of our own little selves. How much Christian, supposedly Christian work these days is in that upper level 
us just trying to minister to our own little selves mm. and we never go any deeper and there's a frustration so like kelly tk goes on thomas <laughs> kelly goes on and what needless anguishes we have suffered because our little selves were defeated were not flattered were not cozened and petted very mid-century english yeah but, but great this this blinding but the blinding God blots out this self and gives humility and true selfhood as holy, full of him. Again, English from the mid-century. But what he's saying there is so much frustrations that people have, God is allowing to stay there. Now, that's a blanket statement. So there's people listening to this who may have genuine stuff yeah. that, that they can't help and it's not like this. Yes. But some people, some, and I'm going to leave it for the Holy Spirit to help you discern who that is as you listen, if it's just you. But some of us will be suffering frustrations because we're actually trying to just live Christian life at this level one, trying to minister to our little selves. And God mm. is actually allowing frustrations because he wants to humble you and he wants to see you face to face, but he's mm. going to kill that little, as, as what yeah. Kelly calls that little self. Yeah. And because we live in a world which is so bad feeling adverse, like... Yep. Oh, the kids are feeling bad. Quick, everyone make it better. That we lose out on that definite purifying reality of God's presence. Mm. Like God's presence comes to it's a healing bump and to purify. Yeah, you talked about that a couple of episodes ago. Yeah. And it's, it's bears repeating. Like it's this sense that God wants us to go deeper, but the journey of going deeper will see certain deaths happen. Yeah. Um, and so the reason He wants that little self to die is he wants to make us big, yeah. you know, and he doesn't want to make us big that we become greater radical individuals. He wants us to expand to his purposes for us because humility is ultimately like a mind directed by God. Um, and TK says, be humble as God is humble. Yeah. And, and that sort of humility, it's not like, again, it's not the self-effacing like, oh, okay, so I've been bidding up on myself. Now I'm just going to be like, the opposite, like almost trying to get attention through being the most humble person around. Um, it's this sense that a truly humble person is like a blank disc that God can use. Do we still use discs? <laughs> we, uh, I think we get the concept. You get the concept. You can Good. Google it if you don't know what Google. a disc if you is. Do, if you don't know what a floppy disc is, Google. Um, yeah. oh, I'm sure hipsters will start using them again soon. Um, this, this, <laughs> I'll give you to that floppy disk, man, um, uh. with my vinyl collection. Um, that, that this sense that God wants us to be fully vessels of his will. Mm. And again, to another great TK line, only the utterly humble ones can break the raging pride of a power mad world. Oh, can you read that again, please? Actually, I'm going to go to the source. That's my notes where he says, uh, only the utterly humble ones can bow and break the raging pride of a power-mad world. Yeah. But self-renunciation self means God-possession and being, the being possessed by God. Out of utter humility and self-forgetfulness comes the thunder of the prophets. Bam. I just... just I just did a TK Testament of Devotion drop, if that's what you're wondering what that was, where <laughs> I just the dropped the book to out of self-forgetfulness and humility comes the thunder of the prophets. Someone yeah. truly, truly emptied of 
pride and mm. agenda to be used by God that I think it was Abraham Heschel said the prophet is a microphone of God. You know, mm. it's this sense that that they are God speaks through them because they're an empty vessel to be used by God. So this whole thing is not a self-actualization thing. There's benefits, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things should be added unto you. But really what this is, is we need more people in the world who then begin to live out this kingdom culture, yes. become foretastes and ambassadors of heaven and earth meeting as our agendas are put aside and Jesus' prayer of, you know, you know, on earth as it is in heaven comes true in our lives. That's what being a living temple as an individual is. Okay, this is really powerful, like the thunder of the prophets, you know, and we can be a part of that, mm. right? That thunder, aside from you guys and your loud clapping. Thunder clapping. Yes, none of that, thank you. Um, I think God had a different thing in mind, and so did TK. Yes. Uh, but it's made me think of something that's been on my mind for the last couple of weeks, thinking about... You know, if God has placed these like skills and dispositions and ways of seeing the world in me and I like beauty and I like putting things together in spaces and making people feel blessed by them when they enter. I love all of that stuff. But what if God were asking me not to do that and actually removing that opportunity from me? I'm speaking a bit in the abstract because I don't think the details are necessarily helpful, but... What if God is kind of removing that from me? Why, what does that say about my identity in the way that God has created me? And what does it say about why would he put those things and dispositions in me if he doesn't want to use them or doesn't want me to use them? It's this really, it's this weird tension that I actually really struggle to find words to put around. But, and I kind of get what the answer could be like being in alignment with God, but I just, it's just been a really weird spot to sit in recently and I don't really know quite what to do with it. Yeah. So it's circling around identity and it's circling around like submission to God and wanting to honor what God has placed in me, but there's kind of like walls. Yeah. And is that the enemy stopping it or is it yes. God just being like, no, not now yeah. or, you know, that's a fantastic question. God gifts us in particular ways. Yeah. And obviously what you just spoke of is a recognition of some particular ways that God has gifted you around beauty and creation mm. and hospitality. Mm. They are all elements of God. God has created a beautiful world. You'll have to see a bird of paradise, um, the Andromeda system, the Andes mountains and go, wow, mm. you know, this is God's into beauty. Secondly, there's a sense of creation. Yeah. God is a creator. Mm. And then thirdly, God is hospitable. Like all this stuff we've been talking about dwelling, like yeah. he's, he, he wants us to dwell. God is, yes. God, the, what we've been talking about here is a hospitality of the heart. Yeah. Um, and God's like creating that hospitable space in our heart for us to come and dwell in yeah. ourselves, which is, <laughs> which is bizarre. <laughs> um, and find home. And, but what's really interesting is humans then have this propensity. So we've talked about how, I think it was one of the previous episodes, we talked about that Jewish saying of, you know, you should have two 
bits of paper in your pocket, one saying you created in the image of God, the other that you created in by dirt, you know. And as Christians, we would say, you know, we're fallen, creating glory, we're also fallen from glory. So there's this fascinating thing that happens mm. that your strength will often be your biggest weakness. Yeah. And you'll become a parody of your own thing. So for example, Elvis. <laughs> I'm not a big Elvis fan. <laughs> but you think of early Elvis, Sun Records or whatever, you know, and he comes out and he's young and well, this, this just blows popular cultures, categories and he's this force of nature, mm. you know, Elvis and he's doing his thing. And then you've still got Vegas era Elvis, you know, where he's flying his private jet to get deep fried peanut butter sandwiches in batter, you know. Yeah, on, like banana. Yeah, yeah, banana, like oh. insane, you know. So like his giftedness then becomes a curse. Yes. Really interesting. Um, you may see a woman who, you know, was obviously super good looking when she was younger, but she's like trying to hold on and she's dressing like she's 22 and, you know, like, like, or some guy who was like cool, you know, like mm. and when he was young and he's still wearing the same, you know, just like he's still an Iron Maiden fan. Um, you know, Which he's 30s. allowed to be. He's allowed to be. But when you, when, when it becomes an identity that can't be let go of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the Iron sure. Maiden fan wasn't the best, the best <laughs> analogy. Um, so in, in, in Jewish spirituality, there's this concept of the Yitzhahari Yitzhatov. And basically, it's this idea that all of us have this sort of giftedness mm. and it can go in a particular direction. So Yitzhahara is like it can sort of head to the bad or it can head to the, the good. Okay. And David and Saul are really interesting two sides of almost the same guy. Yes. So kingship, in a sense, destroys Saul. Yeah. Kingship is the making of David. Yeah. Now, there's this sense where in the world, there's this Jewish proverb where basically someone removes the Yetzirah from creation. So, so these rabbis work out how to remove from creation. like no one, So it's almost like this drive, this inclination, this drive yes. within us that sort of God's put there. So it's like, maybe the world will be better if we can get rid of the Yetzirah from the world. So they get rid of it. And I think they trap it in a pot or something. This is one of these medieval <laughs> rabbinical stories. Um, you know, it's I like a legend. Um, they trap the Yetzirah in, in a pot. But then the next day, no one gets up. And none of the animals mate. And the sun doesn't come up, I think, from memory. And like nothing moves ahead in the world. Yeah. So there's this thing where we're given giftedness, but it's in what direction is it pointed is essentially yeah, what this okay. is. And if it points in the wrong direction, I mean, many years ago, I was when I first, first ever thing I did ministry was a mission trip in gang affected areas. And I remember um, I was with these guys in San Francisco and they were talking about the local gang. And um, they said like, we're praying for that guy who's the leader of the gang mm. because he's just running this gang, but he's a giftedness of leadership. And currently it's being used to run a street gang, but redeemed that would, he, he, that guy's going to be like an apostle evangelist. And I'm like, mm. wow, okay. So there's this sense that I'm not saying you're going to run a street gang, but there's a sense in you. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. A street, street gang of hospitable beauty creators <laughs> <laughs> who just go around and you know, watch out, watch out people. Um, and, and there's this sense of you know, if, if your home is made beautiful, if you come home and your home is made beautiful and welcoming, you know what's happened. Yes, um, you do. And there's a broken window. And um, no, I can't do with broken yeah, windows. Exactly. No, no. If there's a repaired window, that's like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so God will gift you with something 
And he will also make sure that you will not become a parody of yourself and your giftedness will not be used against you. Mm. To use a ministry term, the gifted young preacher can, like, how many times have we seen this, can kick butt for God. Yes. But then there's this point where success becomes a danger. Mm. And then all of a sudden their gift, which was bringing life to others, takes life from them, their family and their church and eventually falls and it's all because of the one gift. Yeah. But the gift then went in the wrong direction. Okay. And didn't come under the lordship of God. So see this giftedness almost as a tool. A yeah. chainsaw can clear a road that a tree's fallen over or it can bring horrible destruction. It, <laughs> Thank Texas, you, 80s movies. <laughs> you, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Not that I've ever seen that. But I can imagine. Maybe that The second part of your question then is when is it God coming, you know, like when is my little self then being pushed back? Yes. So like... Oh, am I not meant to use this for a moment? I remember like uh, one thing that God has used is my reading and my learning. My old boss, Deborah Hirsch, once challenged me not to read. I think it was for a year or six months or a year. I didn't read a book. Oh my goodness. And it was really fascinating because she asked me as a young disciple to do that because so it wouldn't become an idol. Yeah. So it's this thing that God doesn't want you to put the tool on the throne. So... He will take you through periods where maybe it is your pride that he wants to bring yeah. in. But then other times, it could be Satan attacking your gift. Yeah. Now, what's really interesting is, how do you know? The only way you mm. know is through being in a constant listening presence posture with God. Yeah, in that deeper level. In that deeper level. Mm. So these questions can only be when we're dwelling with him, listening to him. John 15, connected to the vine. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. That's really helped, actually. No worries. And this is also the end of our season. Yes. Mm, The Living Temple. Ten episodes down. We hope you have enjoyed being a part of this journey. Mm. There'll be more to come. Oh, of course. Much more. Thanks for joining us. What did you say? Bonza. Bonza. Great. So we've just left you with an Australian colloquialism that means good slash great. The end, the living temple, over and out. You've been listening to the Living Temple podcast. For more information and resources, head to thelivingtemple.org.